from Hollywood, California, it's the Nighttime Show. I'm the voice of the show, Mike Black. With us as always, our head writer, Matt Walker. Today, our very special guest from Race to the Scene, Fanorama, and you can see him right now on Prop Culture on Disney Plus, Dan Lanigan. And now, our host, found in the musty locker in the basketball court under the Matterhorn, Stephen Kramer Glickman! <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> great job, Mike Black. Thanks. Um, Dan Lanigan, this is a, a true honor and pleasure, sir. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you fibbing on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's um no. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of like movie props and of like all the you know I I'm constantly watching like the behind the scenes oh, yeah. of of all my as, favorite as things. As am I. As am I. <laughs> oh yeah, I can That's imagine. How I got involved in this stuff. Well, yeah. when your show came out, I was like, "Who is this guy that gets Who's to that? host <laughs> this incredible yeah. show?" Uh, Prop Culture, which is on Disney Plus right now, is just... And it's a great show. God, it's so good. It's so good. It plays into, like, everybody's, like, that that thing where you're just like, I wish I knew more about, you know, a a film. And then to to have all the access, you know, to be able to, like, really get in there and find everything. How did this come about? How did you end up um, uh, doing this show? You know, I just... Uh, you know, it's years of being a uh, uber uh, obsessive prop collector and at the same time, you know, trying to uh, make my way through the entertainment industry as a producer and director. Uh, and one thing led to another and and I wound up becoming, uh, 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 you know, the, the host on the show. It's it's something I wanted to, to do for a while. I wanted to... Uh, Put together a show that actually celebrated the people behind the scenes and the artwork that they created you know these oh, artifacts yeah. these things that are left over and that's how that all developed into uh, Disney's prop culture well like I mean you can really feel it in there's uh, the the Mary Poppins episode you you yeah. sit down with the woman uh, you know uh, one of the the people who created the the broomsticks for the I mean not the broomsticks the um uh, the uh, chimney sweeps the chimney sweeps and yeah uh, yeah pulling that out oh my god and like her reaction to it and everything like it's very visceral and you can feel like how much some of the stuff you know how it how much it means to to all these people. well and also how much care went into the films and how much like you look at like the the drawings that had like the little fabric swatches for each each color that was going to be yep. used on each costume is amazing how much craftsmanship went into uh, all the work of e- of the production on every single well, level you know there's so much artwork that goes into making any movie uh behind the scenes uh to get to what you see on screen and a lot of that stuff is prototypes the stuff that you even see or different directions so there's so much different artwork whether it be drawings paintings uh, uh castings or, or sculpture all these different things in and and that artwork is amazing and, yeah and, uh, and you're looking it, at it from a time period where people didn't see it as collectible they saw it as they will shoot it once and get rid of it yeah, tools tools of the trade yeah. that's what they were and 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 people that kept them were just lucky to do it as keepsakes but ultimately that's what's important is this connection they have to these films that we as audience members have to those films. 
And that's what connects it all together and why these artifacts are still important. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. it's because the movies mean something to us. Absolutely. Um, Dan, let's let's go back a little bit. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, what what was your uh, when you were growing up like what what kind of movies were you watching what were you what were you into you know there was this little film that I caught when I was was very young called Star Wars that really <laughs> kind of you know I've heard of that know about it but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know uh, yeah Star Wars was was massive I went to see that in the theater with my dad before that watching you know I wouldn't call them reruns but certainly. When Wizard of Oz was on TV, I was obsessed with that. Yeah, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when it came out; those are the kind of films that kind of uh, made me really see, you know, the magic of movie making. And you know, I wanted to learn more about it. And you know, through magazine articles and and behind the scenes documentaries and little you know TV series, Leonard Nimoy show about behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff really got me obsessed with the making of this stuff. Yeah. And it just kind of grew from there. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. What was the first thing that you recall seeing on TV that you thought, I would like to have that? <laughs> or I would like to uh, explore you know, that thing or, or something, you know? Honestly, you know, the thing about it is that looking at it from a collecting point of view, it wasn't something that jumped in my head. It was, I became obsessed with the iconography and, and the making of. It wasn't until... Honestly, I, I probably came across some of this stuff in person at uh, the MGM Disney Park uh, in Florida before it became Hollywood Park. Oh, okay. And I, and I and they would have these displays of screen-use props, and I would see this stuff. And, and, you know, it's one thing to see it on TV or see it in the movies being used in, in the project right. or even a behind-the-scenes. Yeah. But when you see it in person and you can experience it you know, in stereo vision and you can smell it and you can kind of get a sense of its presence, this, these art, these pieces of artwork, then it was like, oh, wow, this stuff still exists. And then from there on, you know, just happenstance, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, I would see a movie and say, oh, I want to get that someday. And eventually it happened. Now well, that happens now because, you know, of course. A, a, yeah. a, a collector, but back then that wasn't the case. Well, I remember, I don't know, you, maybe you'll remember this event, but when I was in high school, this was long after the Star Wars movies had come out, Smithsonian right. did an exhibit of basically everything Lucasfilm had at the Smithsonian. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't get to go to it, but I was there like a week after it left. And all they had left was C-3PO and R2-D2, like a full-size mock-up of them, and the Holy Grail from Indiana Jones. <laughs> And yeah. I remember seeing yeah. those things and just being blown away by them. And I was like, man, I wish I'd caught that exhibit. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the fact that the Smithsonian saw early on that, that these pop culture uh, artifacts from these films are important. Yeah. You know, it just shows you that the, the strength of, of what our society, part of our society is built on this imagination of these wonderful uh, works of art that happen to be filmed, you know? Absolutely. Uh, it's the... It's the yeah, much it's, like it's super important. Much like in the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, a lot of these props sort of got buried in the back of a warehouse somewhere, <laughs> yeah. and they're like hidden away right now. So, what do you think right? is out there? Like, yeah. what's what's your holy grail that's out there? Like, what's the ark that you might be looking for one of these days that you could find in a warehouse? <laughs> that's a good question. You know, uh, I get asked this from time to time, um, and 
for me, you know, there are pieces that I would love to have in my collection that I know are out there that are in professional collections that, you know, as much as I would love to acquire it, if it ever came available, I'm glad it's where it is. Like, uh, (laughs) The ad at stop motion miniatures from Empire Strikes Back. Sure. Yeah. I always love those things. Those are a spectacular feat of, of engineering and, yeah. and film and and just design and you know everything. Um, you know what I'm hoping to find someday is is somebody opens a box and they can come across uh, a, uh, a a trench coat that uh, Harrison Ford wore in in, in the Blade Runner. Oh, I am obsessed oh, wow. with that film and 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 I would love to get one of those trench coats. I know they had multiple ones that they used, but for all accounts, most of them have been disappeared except for one that's in a private collection. Yeah. If you're a fan who, of that uh, movie, a it's a mine, very unique felt. style of yeah. trench coat. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That yeah, collar is, is so cool looking. It's not the Peter Falk trench coat. No, it is <laughs> not. No, no, although, come on. <laughs> That's awesome, too. Yes. I'll take a Columbo one. Would the Columbo be your number two trench coat of all time? I I wouldn't say number two, but I wouldn't turn it down. Yeah. Um, how how did you end up getting involved with Disney? Like, how did you uh, how did you guys meet? You know, uh, it's it's you know, uh, I've been working uh, uh, with uh, you know production company, different production companies for years, and through that work, you, you, you meet people that are looking to buy shows for different networks. And my partner, Jason Henry, who I've worked with on a number of shows in the past, uh, you know, was pitching something to Disney and something different than our show. And based on a conversation, it's like, well, you know, we also have this other show. I didn't think it'd be right for you guys, but what do you think? And they loved it. So we went and, 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 uh, further developed it and, uh, made it, you know, a little bit more Disney friendly than what it was originally planning to be. It was more a broader idea for a show with, you know, movies from all, you know, across the board. Obviously, we focused the show with Disney movies for for Disney Plus, but um, you know, it gave us great access, and uh, uh, you know, they loved it. It was uh, it was it was a lot of fun to do. It was a lot of fun, to, a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Work, How long did it take you guys to to shoot that that season? You know, we, because of uh, scheduling issues uh, and trying to find find the right combination of, you know, uh, and, and research, really, it was a lot of research up front, but trying to find the right pieces that match with the right people and the right time, you know, it took us a good eight months to film the entire series and then another couple of months to finish editing. We were editing through the process, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, we were, we were figuring out what the show was at the time. So there was, you know, we had more than we needed. And uh, uh, hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll get a chance to do extended versions of the episodes or additional segments that we did. But um, uh, it, I, it was, I was surprised was, at how in depth it went, you know, like yeah. when when you reunited the little girl from Mary Poppins with her wardrobe. Yes. I, that was amazing yeah. to me that yeah. you were able to track all of that stuff down yeah, or julie or julie andrews's ex-husband with yeah, her yeah. 
costume with the costume that he designed for her. I mean, like that yeah. was the kind of stuff where you're like, oh man, there's a lot of layers to this. Like there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of like, and the, something I I love about the show is like I'm a big Antiques Roadshow fan, uh, right? And and I was a big fan of uh, Toy Hunter of that show back in right. with the, yeah. back in the day with Jordan. And uh, but yeah. I loved those shows because they have heart and they're not like try- no one's getting screwed over in on the show like right. no one's like i'll right. give you 50 bucks and they're like <laughs> still pawn stars it's yeah. not pawn stars no. yeah <laughs> like it just yeah, it's we like did, we didn't want to do a tra- we didn't want to do a transactional show right uh, yeah. having to do with you know the financial uh aspects of it because you know it the That's reality of it is yeah well it, it's not why i collect and it's not why most people that collect this stuff collect they collect because they love these films right and uh you know it's and it's the hunt it's the indiana jones and trying to track down the stuff that means something to you so it belongs in a museum (laughs) yeah yeah well i wanted to be i wanted the show to be about that 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 emotional attachment that you have and that the people that work on these movies have with these these objects because they represent these amazing you know parts of their life that they worked on these awesome films i mean steven basically loaded up a truck full of props from his TV <laughs> show when it was done. 1,000% true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got 12 gold records hanging on your wall? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. And when, uh, when I, I used to be on the show called Big Time Rush, and when the show right. ended its third and final season, they were like, the show's over, I backed a right. truck onto the Paramount stage and literally loaded up a pickup truck with the entire set props, all everything I could fit into the truck. And, uh, You're and a smart man. Yeah, and because Nick, Nickelodeon was like, we don't care, this show's not coming back. Uh, two weeks later, they called and they were like, show's been picked up for a fourth. Fourth season, coming back, bring all those things back. And I was like, those things don't exist anymore. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? And I kept all of them. I kept every last prop and piece, and they're all still in my uh, in my home, and I, I love them. Um, one of the coolest things that we've ever had happen on our show is we interviewed Walter Koenig from Star Trek. Oh, and yeah. uh-huh. while we were finishing, he has- At his in, house. At his house, yeah. yeah. And his entire home oh, is covered cool. in uh Toys and figurines and uh, memorabilia and all sorts of stuff. And not just Star Trek stuff like you might think, but yeah. like going back to like old Dick Tracy pulp yeah. novels. And oh stuff. yeah, and it's under like, his, that's awesome. He had yeah. an arcade, like an arcade um, uh, game and un- a pinball yeah. machine. And yeah. under the pinball machine uh, was a sculpture of Flat Top from Dick Tracy. And I went, oh, my God, that's Flattop from Dick Tracy. And he was like, yeah, 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 get it out of my house. Get it out. It's my wife what? hates it. And I was like, really? I was like, well, what is, what is, it, what is it exactly? He goes, ah, it was a gift from John uh, who won the Oscar, John uh, Caglione Jr., who won right, the Oscar right. for Best Makeup. It's the maquette, uh-huh. the actual claim maquette. And yeah. he gave oh, it to me, awesome. and it is in my living room on a, um, on a pedestal. And like I freaking love it. It's like one of my favorite things in the whole world. But like things like that, like that's the best part about this weird business is like sometimes you're out, sometimes you just run into a piece of history. And if you can spot it and, you know, I'm sure you've had moments where 
you know, you were looking for one thing and then saw something else, and you're like, oh my god, have you <laughs> oh, ever yeah, had it a? Happens, it happens all the time. What? Uh, and, these the, aren't flashlights; these are lightsaber handles. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my god. What's a but what's a surprise? <laughs> what was a, a a surprise moment where you discovered something and you were like, oh my god, I can't believe this is what it is. Uh, let me think here. Um, I think I came across. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big. I, well, I. I was and still am a big Babylon five fan, mm -hmm. which was, you know, this show uh, oh, yeah. that uh, TNT did. And then yep. uh, it was on syndication back in the day with Walter Bruce Fox Leitner, who we was in Tron was, was on that show. Uh, so I've been collecting stuff from that. And uh, I came across a really cool pistol that somebody had. They had no idea. I wasn't going there. To, I was looking, I think I was going, looking at some alien stuff mm. and I, and I came across it. Nobody knew what it was, and I'm like, oh, I'll take it, you know. And and you know, it's it's those kind of little little moments that you know your your knowledge base kind of you know <laughs> yeah. uh, helps you identify pieces. And I still have that piece to this day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love when oh, stuff like that's that happens. So cool. That's the greatest. That's the greatest. I, I picture here in Los Angeles, there are probably some storage lockers somewhere, just filled with all kinds of stuff like this that some, are just like. I, I, Imagine that most storage locker locations, because the amount of people that work yeah. in L.A. in the industry, there's got to be something in there yeah. of work. Yeah, yeah so like this, this has to be the epicenter of, of props, obviously, because of just what happens here in Los Angeles. But Yeah, um, yeah. and the history. You know, what, what, have so far. You, what have you found in other places that are unusual? Like let's say you were in like New Orleans or something and you discovered something in like a small shop. Like did anything like that happen to you uh, where you've just found stuff in random places where you wouldn't expect to see? You it? know, no, I've, I, I've never found anything in stores that they per se didn't know what they had or what was connected to it. Um, I certainly have found things in people's people that work in production or have family members in production but I've already, you know, you're already going there with kind of that purpose. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Finding it, you know, finding it at a at a, a junk store. I mean, in Hollywood, it may happen, but outside of Hollywood, <laughs> I haven't personally uh, come across it. I think that that's something that happens a lot in England because there was a lot of movies that are shot in London in that extended area, <laughs> so that happens. But but, and I would imagine now going forward, like Vancouver and possibly even in Atlanta, these cities that are starting to, to not only have production, but going on for many years, that's, you know, that's where you might be able to find that kind of stuff. But I haven't. It really does. Uh, like, it, it bums me out when I, I like I, I had heard this and I'm not sure if you if this is uh, true or not, but I had heard that like when the Harry Potter films finished, that they literally burned like mm -hmm. all the costumes and props from the show or as many as they possibly could like they very few things made it out of like of 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 that uh of those there films. was yeah there, there 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 is some truth to that from from what i understand because it was such a big production and they were planning on doing so many movies you know they had this big cottage industry of people working to make harry potter props for years because of the seven or eight movies mm -hmm. and uh you know you want to have everything that possibly have ready for your actors and your directors. And so that when you're shooting, you're not waiting for stuff. So they have multiple versions of, of props and they'll have multiples of those versions. And then they have multiple versions of costumes at different stages of wear and stuff. So, you know, they kept 
a cherry pick of a bunch of stuff for the archives and for the museum that they have, but they destroyed a lot of the stuff because they didn't want it getting into the public because it kind of makes the stuff they had less yeah, special. People learn how to that, reverse engineer it and that's make a, it themselves. It's well, a, yeah, and then they're making fakes and stuff like that, right? Yeah. It's, it's the same end result, but a different reason than the famous Stanley Kubrick 2001, where he destroyed all the sets and all the props from that movie because he didn't want a sequel to ever be made, and then they made one anyways. But <laughs> Yeah, he, he didn't yeah. want a sequel to be made, and he also just didn't want his stuff to be used in other science fiction films mm-hmm. right. yeah. you know, right. and repurposed. He wanted his iconography to stay with him, but he also didn't want a sequel as well. So, yeah. But yeah, he got screwed on that. Well, I remember <laughs> going to a friend of mine took me on a tour of Lightstorm Studios, and uh, we were looking at some stuff there, and I saw one thing, and I was like, is that what I think it is? And he was like, yeah, uh, we were destroying some furniture, and we got to these cabinets, and we were about to throw them in the fire, and someone said, maybe we should check the drawers before we do that. And they opened the top drawer, and it was the heart of the ocean <laughs> Oh my God. that they right. almost destroyed. <laughs> wow, yeah. Wow, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, when you, when you make a film as a production company, you know, you're looking at it from a business perspective. And yes, the director and Jim's camp, Jim Cameron, I believe he's a collector. But, you know, it's, it's one thing when you make the film yourself, you don't treat the stuff as reverential as somebody who's coming in from it from a from a fan or from an outside perspective right so sometimes that stuff kind of gets okay we're going to keep it we'll put it in a drawer and then they forget where it is and the next thing you know the, the furniture is thrown out you know but but luckily that kind of stuff gets hopefully saved whenever possible yeah, yeah absolutely Hey, uh, before we continue doing the show, I, we got to talk about uh, the the equipment that we're using mm-hmm. to make the show, uh, make an epic show that is. Uh, it sounds like you know everyone is right here, like yep. we're all sitting together, but we're not. We've got a fantastic multi-track recorder from Zoom. Um, yeah. If you need multi-track recordings, that's the only company you should even be looking at. Um, basically, we had issues when we had to switch to doing things during a pandemic, mm-hmm. and we were we went from doing a show with people in person to people over the phone, and Zoom just made it a piece of cake. Yeah, you bet. ZoomCorp.com is the website, and uh, they're you know th- this has made it so that we can interview people in uh nigeria new zealand new zealand um yeah. guatemala um of uh, austria czechos like the czech the czech republic um when we were are doing you just all naming those... countries now yeah well no when we were doing all the interviews with the cast of uh 90 day fiance we were yeah. talking to people you know in the, in the ukraine yep. like mm-hmm. we were doing all sorts of crazy stuff and then just the other day when we had uh john reese davies on the show from new zealand he was in new zealand the whole time sounded it sounded like, like he was, he was sitting in the room with us yeah yeah it truly is the mark of excellence for podcasting. Zoom, live track L8, 8-track mixer, recorder, the board for creators, podcasting, music, and beyond. Yeah, it is a badass system, and uh, we're very lucky to be working with uh, Zoom. Go check out zoomcorp.com. That's zoomcorp. Dot com zoom you have to say it three times that's what people do in ad, ads right zoom, what is it steven zoomcorp.com it's zoomcorp.com we're talking about zoomcorp.com all right let's get back to the show
Um, all right, so what I'd like to do with you, Dan, uh, we have a, a, a couple things we'd like to, to get done with you here today, uh, just okay. because we we heard from uh, different fans about their favorite live-action Disney uh, films, and so we I want to throw some of those out to you. Um, okay. You know, for up for a season two, if there's going to be, it, do you know already if there's going to be a season two? Because it, it, they'd be crazy not to do a season two. Uh, we we we're still working on trying to come up with something that uh, that uh, will work for Disney. They you know they they've got a lot on their plate right now. A lot of films that aren't going in the theaters, and you know, uh, Disney Plus is doing really well. So we, we've you know it's. It's 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 uh, yeah we're in a weird time over Disney Plus time yeah. paradox. You could be doing like the props from Black Widow before it's released. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And then it'll still be five years before the movie comes out. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. All right, so, so uh, let's hear let's hear your list. All right, here's a couple. We got a couple suggestions. Um, here we go. Um, uh, Mary, uh, Mary Poppins, you've already done the computer that wore tennis shoes. The computer who wore <laughs> tennis shoes is the film. Uh, do you think yes, there's yes. any? I, is I there have, anything? I have briefly, I have briefly uh, considered that one. Um, uh, I I don't know. I guess I guess uh, the main costume, the tennis shoes. I, 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 I would you know, assume. Yeah. I think the tennis the, shoes. Yeah, the tennis shoes. Right. Yeah. Or Kurt Russell. The tennis shoes. Just kidnap him yeah, from Kurt, his home. Well, yeah. I mean, he'd be worth. <laughs> He'd be worth doing the whole episode just to sit down with him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I like that one a lot. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, I am not sure if anything exists from that. I mean, you know, part of the, you know, that, that whole film is, is so exciting because of the great treehouse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, sections of that treehouse. But other than stuff that's in the park, which I don't think ever got used in the movie, um, or maybe some wardrobe survived. That's a tough one. The problem is these older films are really tough to to find stuff from and and verify that it's real. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So like Treasure Island would be very difficult. Treasure oh yeah. Island. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. But I mean that's hard. you know a huge film. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Now that <laughs> now that would yeah. be worth now searching that's, out. That's definitely one that uh, you know there are a number of props out there from that film, and uh, the problem is that there's Muppets around, but Muppets are not something that, uh, you know, Disney looks at Muppets as characters. They're not props. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had that issue with uh, the Muppet movie uh, episode, but we were able to cross the line because we were able to interview Gonzo about the costume costume pieces he wore. Man, that was the um, best. That was was so great. Me and uh, Mike Black here uh, worked for Brian Henson for uh, about two and a half, three years. Yeah. Uh, No uh, We had had an office over at uh, the, the Henson Studios where you... Uh, taped the yes. interview with uh, with Brian. And That's awesome. It was so cool, and we got to our first our first meeting, uh, which I just have to say this out loud. Our first meeting, it was. Uh, do you know, do you remember John Schnepp? Did you ever meet him? I don't. Uh, it was so it was John Schnepp and Mike Black and I, and uh, we we got to go to the Creature Shop. 
and we had this giant <laughs> meeting with all these, I mean, characters and creatures all around us, and it was like a very nerve-wracking meeting because we're pitching science fiction. Right. And the at the end of the meeting, we say our goodbyes, uh, you know, look forward to working together, and we walk out, and Mike Black turned. I go, I go, man, that was exciting. That was so exciting. Oh, man, there's so much to see, and there's so much creativity in there. And Mike was like, yeah, do you think he felt the same way? Because, man, we, we better start working. We got a <laughs> lot of work to do if we're going to be if we're going to impress Brian Henson with our creativity we, we better we better yeah, yeah. work our ass off I think the most tempted I've ever been in my life and I don't even know if Steven knows about this we were they set us up in an office to work and in the office was just a pile of scripts and you know how scripts have titles written along the side of them too oh, yeah. so you can see about halfway down was one that said the dark crystal two and i was like they're oh. filming us <laughs> they're filming us to see if we're gonna do it if we're gonna so steal i'm not, the I'm not even telling steven because he'll do it yeah i'll steal that script <laughs> yeah, i, I don't like, care um all right here's another one this is a this is one i actually think is a real contender for an episode of your show because it is beloved um the rocketeer Oh yeah. Yes, that is that is one that I would really like to do. Um, you know, it's got the Joe Johnston connection. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's got a it's a comic book uh, character, but yet it is so real. Um, I actually have a full costume and jetpack and what? the entire works. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've been a big fan of that movie for a long time. Um, so. Um, uh, but I would love to dive into the rest of that stuff. That 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 would be very high on my list to do one uh, yeah. on the Rocketeer. I think so. I think that's a big one. Um, our friend Shannon uh, suggested the original Pete's Dragon, which, my God, that oh, movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know who's yeah. left from that movie, but th- what a no, I know. piece of I history. Know from, from a, the people that worked on it. But uh, that was a film that was very important to me when I was growing up. Um, certainly we could, you know, find some, uh, some of the cells. I think the model miniature of the lighthouse is still around. Um, I'm not sure about any wardrobe. Um, but, uh, I mean, that was, uh, that's, you know, the precursor to who framed Roger Rabbit mixing animation yeah. with live action. Yeah. By the way, your who framed Roger Rabbit is the episode that I have now shown to <laughs> everybody in my family. Anyone that will watch it, I will show it to. Really? Be, it, well, it's the one I yeah. loved. Uh, I loved that movie. And, and uh, all three of us are stand-up comics and we're all friends with Charles Fleischer. So we've, we've been, you know, like kind of ingrained with it. And we've gotten to, we, we got to, but me and Mike got to work with Christopher Lloyd last year at the um at the what's it called awards. at the animation awards and so like we've gotten awesome. some cool interactions with that film but watch what never occurred to me never in a million years is that that car that he was driving around the animated car was an actual right. miniature car that yep. was being driven by someone else behind him. Yeah. That yeah. is, that's the stuff yeah. where you, and then they had to yep. animate. A, Charlie Crawwell drove oh that my car. Yeah. God, yeah. that is the coolest. I love, I loved every single and, moment of that thing. And do you have Bob Hoskins trench coat? Oh, <laughs> yes. that now there well, we go. I, I, okay. That, there we go. There we go. I have Bob Hoskins, um, suits, Jacket, suit, pants. One of the ones that actually wore in in the Benny the Cab sequence because the back of the jacket was cut open, so 
so that the straps could go on and hold him into the seat. Mm-hmm. I've wow. got his tie, but I don't have his hat. And I don't have his trench coat, and I'm still looking for those. And I'm those are in your personal collection. For my personal collection, yes. Oh, Dan, like you have you have yeah. you considered doing like a like a museum run where you put all of your stuff in a just inviting just, strangers yeah, I, to your house? Can I come to your house? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have I have been actively hope uh, working on uh, trying to figure out uh, the business of museums which is a very t- tough business to run. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not looking to make money on it. I just don't want to – I want to be able to put my pieces out and travel them so that they're taken care of, people can see it, and they, you know, they don't get damaged. I don't have to keep throwing money at it because it's an expensive yeah. process. Oh, yeah, eventually it's going to happen. I'm going to do it at some point, and I'm, I want people to see this stuff because it affects me so strongly. I think you know, it's great to get – get the fans of this stuff to see this stuff in person. Oh, yeah. yeah. So cool. So cool. Um, oh, and oh, by the way, Char- Charlie Fleischer. Charles, uh, 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 I've gotten to know him since the show, and uh, amazing guy. I mean, brilliant. <laughs> yes. So at such a high level. Amazing <laughs> artist. I mean, the guy is in the molids. Wow. Yes. Molids. That's all he talks about yeah. is molids. <laughs> yeah, we talk, we talk about molids a lot. But I will tell you, the guy is—he's—he's uh, he's a genius. He's a genius. I love it. I watch a lot of old TV shows, and like I keep seeing him. Like I saw him the other day on an episode of The White Shadow. Oh it's like he just God. pops up, or you're like, oh, oh there's wow, Charles. I didn't know he was in that. You know, it's like you—you you watch old shows like that, and he's just like one yeah. of the high school kids or whatever from the late '70s, right. and it's funny to see that. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, you know, I—I—I I, I, I believe uh, from what I have heard that he had a bit of a cool deal with Disney that he would get paid to not do the voice and that that was like <laughs> a big thing for him. So then when he does stand up and he does other things, <laughs> that there was like a deal right. in place. To, I don't know what did, it was. Did you get that deal for a, Pigeon Toady for Storks? I did not get that deal. <laughs> Warner Brothers did not give me that deal. But, um, but that was, I know this is like a, a, a side note thing. I did this movie called Storks and in the, in the movie I played this pigeon and at the premiere they had this big walk around costume of my right. character and I asked if I could keep it after the, the movie and Warner Brothers was like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> you don't get to keep this was like an eight ten thousand dollar like ten thousand eight thousand ten thousand dollar that's exactly costume. how they said it to them what, yeah, the they're like, are, what are you talking about we're not giving yeah, this to you yeah. yeah and I was like I want to put it in my living room like I want to show you know put it on yeah. a mannequin and show it to people and exactly they were like they were like and it's made for somebody who's like 410 yeah I was like I'm not gonna wear it and like where's it gonna go they're like it's going into storage at Warner Brothers like what do you no that's not how this works we're a movie studio and I was like oh yeah, okay uh, yeah. and then on Christmas they called and said go downstairs and there was a moving truck and they brought it to me as a gift. Oh, that's awesome. And I love it so much. It's my favorite thing in the entire – it's enormous. Uh, but it what made me – the reason I'm bringing it up is because I was like, what else is in their storage? Like, what else is underground oh, yeah. in this giant thing that they have? What is this? How does that work? Well, I mean, you know, they, they uh, have archivists, and they choose what they decide – for long terms, uh, you know, for the company's history. And then they have other divisions that store things in case they need to use it for marketing or potentially, you know, for other projects. 
there's, you know, there's lots of reasons and they spend a lot of money on it and they can't, you know, it's hard for them to turn around and sell this stuff to like the, to, to the audience because they've already written this stuff down to zero. Yeah. So if they sell it, now they got to pay taxes on the stuff and it could affect the valuation of what the stuff is that they already have in their, ah, their inventory. So wow, it's all, yeah. it's all really messed up. The business so, of it's, I mean, I understand it and I appreciate it, but it's, it's tough. It's tough. That's why they, you know, it's it's hard for them to get rid of stuff. So how dangerous is it for us as a society to have all these things in only a few places? Because like Universal had a huge fire that destroyed a large part of their music collection. You know, they, they lost yep. masters and all kinds of old recordings that are just gone forever. Oh, yeah. Like how much danger is there of like some warehouse fire going up and it just destroying thousands of these items? Well, I mean, uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean, of course there's danger to it, you know, unless you have backups of it. Nowadays, it makes it a lot easier to make backups. But but artifacts, you know, putting them in one location, there's the economy of scale, mm -hmm. which allows it easier for you to take care of it and take care of it in the right way. But then you have to be careful that, you know, you control the environment as much as you can. But you can't control an earthquake. You can't control a tornado. You can't control a, a, a fire yeah. I mean, to a certain yeah. degree, a local fire. You, there's just chances. It's just like living, you know. It's like, well, yeah, you could go out and have fun with your life, or you could live in a bubble. You know, you just you, you, there's balance. So, yeah. Um, what I'm trying to say is that the is that the BBC should send me their TARDIS for safekeeping. <laughs> yes. So it's not all in Wales. Which one? Any of them. Uh, I'll take the fourth Doctor is my favorite, but any of them. Right. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever run into any Doctor Who stuff out there? Or 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 I Star have. Trek or Star Trek? Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Who stuff is not as commonplace on this side of the pond, but um, I uh, I've seen some original Daleks, some mm -hmm. Cybermen, um, a bunch of different aliens from the more recent series that have been kind of rehashes yeah. of, of other stuff. Uh, I I dig it. I'm still looking for a. I'd like to eventually get a nice. Uh, a sonic screwdriver from any one of the series, honestly. How about something a, that's originally? How about a twenty-six foot long knitted scarf? Ooh! <laughs> oh wow! That would, would be, be cool. pretty yeah. great. Yeah. Now, uh, um, there's, oh, wait, wait, there, there's wait, a whole wait, industry couple... built around replicas of props. Yes. So, what replicas out there do you think really get it right? Like, I have a replica that's fantastic, where I have a Star Trek communicator that's a Bluetooth <laughs> speakerphone. That pairs with my pairs with my phone, and like you, it looks. It was made from a 3D scan oh, of Jesus Dan, of one of the props that Shatner had. So like, Dan, what so replicas sorry. are out there that people should look out for that are worth buying? Well, first of all, they they sold you a bunch of crap. I'll tell you right now why. There was no such thing as Bluetooth back then. Yes, well that is and true. If it was exactly like the one that Shatner had, it would not work. <laughs> but that being aside. Yes. No, there's some great replicas. I mean, you know, it, there's there's great companies that do replica work, mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, it's a case by case basis. Um, I I used to collect replicas back in the day. I I don't so much anymore, um, just because I don't have room for it. I think it's mm -hmm. actually amazing works of art. Um, unless there's like a piece, like I've got I've got a couple of the old master replica adats, uh, mm -hmm. which are the mm -hmm. one to one replica scale. Um, because I, those, I knew I would never get a, a, an original one and I wanted to represent it. Um, but you know, a lot, of, a lot of the, really the best replicas are the ones that are made by the collectors themselves that really obsess about the, the accuracy and they're completing it, uh, 
exactly alike and they'll spend a year or two to make a piece yeah like Those we know are some of the best stuff out there we know a guy who turned his entire living room into the bridge of the enterprise oh yeah and it was crazy like yeah. it's yeah. he spent like wait, 10 wait, years enterprise, making it. enterprise uh from the original series yes ncc 1701 the original nice as as scotty would say oh. no bloody a b oh, c oh, or d <laughs> dan once this is this was a mistake getting him once we talk about star trek with matt it's a it's a real problem it's over. so we okay, got yeah okay, we got to hold on hold on i, I got to bring up one question <laughs> yes, I, i'm i'm a trekkie yeah. i've always been a guy who could balance my love for star wars with my love for star trek mm-hmm. i wasn't one or the other yeah. i love star trek but i am obsessed obsessed with deep space 9 mm-hmm. anyone here like that show i was watching it last night they there's a channel that i get called heroes and icons they show a five-hour block where it's every series in a row <laughs> and i often sit there and watch five hours of star trek and deep space nine was a good episode last night it's the one where uh ah. cisco was injured oh, um it, it was a whole thing with him and kira became friends <laughs> sort of in the episode it's a good all one. right okay yeah, yeah. dan yeah, uh I, let me tell you that show is brilliant so let okay, me tell we'll you dan something that we yeah. did we did for matt walker uh because this is this is why uh, why <laughs> podcasts can be fun is uh you know sometimes we have people on where like uh one of us are like oh my god i'm obsessed with this yeah. person's work i have to talk yep. to them you know um so Matt, of course, being a big Star Trek fan, uh, is of, of course a fan of uh, Next Generation. Yeah. So we got Michael Dorn to come on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, we had him in what person. Are- we had <laughs> we had we had Michael Dorn at the Hollywood Improv in front of two hundred people come up on stage. We did an interview with him. We uh, we played games with him. It we was played a, a clip of him on Webster. Yeah, we played a clip of him on <laughs> oh, Webster. Uh, we played a lot. We did. A lot, a lot of fun yeah. stuff with him, but then, but the thing that was the greatest is we made we made yeah. a trophy out of a giant soccer trophy that was like a <laughs> six foot tall uh, gold, you know, one of those like sure. cra- you know that like you'd get if you were a kid, yeah. and we replaced all the soccer. High, tall one, right? Yeah. We took all the soccer people off of it and replaced them with little golden wharfs that we spray painted uh, that we just oh, nice. bought on Amazon. And we awarded him best podcast guest in the history of the universe. <laughs> and it was professionally photographed. And then TheBlast.com put out a very serious article saying that Michael Dorn had been awarded best podcast guest in history. Nice. And he took, nice. he took the award. Yeah, we thought he was going to throw it in the trash because yeah, it was enormous. He was going to keep it because it was just a silly. It was like silly. Yeah, we were gonna, we were worried about striking it afterward. We were yeah, like, like well, how are we going to do it? We'll this destroy thing. this thing. Yeah, we'll throw later. it in the trash. And we, we couldn't find it. We couldn't it. find it. It turned out he took it home and displays it in his home now, which is hilarious. Well, that's great. Well, when when will that be sent to me? Because I, I oh, yes. oh, yes. will send you beat him. So <laughs> we will send you one. Absolutely. It is I, a yearly thing. It, yeah, it is. It's true. It's the annual award. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Matt, before we continue doing the show, mm-hmm. we got to talk about what we're talking into. These Sennheiser microphones are fantastic. Yeah, they are literally top of the line. The best company in the world when it comes to microphones, headphones, audio equipment like this. I mean, yeah. it's just so damn good. If you want to sound good talking into something, get yourself some Sennheiser microphones. Yeah, it makes you sound epic. Mike Black, uh, say something epic. Space. 
the final frontier. These are the voyages. Um, if I say any more, lawyers will get involved. <laughs> we have to exactly. But, but I said it clearly, and you, you can hear it clearly. God, I can hear it. It sounds perfect. Um, hey, uh, go and uh, go check out Sennheiser. If you are looking for audio equipment, uh, you're looking for a great microphone. This is the one to use, Mike. Uh, Matt, what is what's this one called that we're using? Uh, this is the MD42. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Find them at Sennheiser.com. You bet. All right, let's get back to the show. I, I have a, a question for you about a, a Disney film that I yeah. personally am obsessed with um, and have, have tried to find any any making of, anything I possibly can. Behind the scenes photos, I'm like such a major nerd about it. Return to Oz. The, Return to Oz. A oh. gigantic mess at Disney that I loved growing up and have seen like a million <laughs> times. Um, is there, have you ever run into anything? Do we know where TikTok is? Do we know where any of the puppets or it's, creatures are? It's in China, it? TikTok. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so. Serious. Dan, what so, do we know so, about this so movie? I know of at least two TikToks. One's in the Disney archives and one is uh, owned by a friend of mine. Really? Um, I, I, the Tin Woodsman puppet is in the Disney archives. Wow. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, a, one of the keys to Oz sold in a prop store auction about two and a half years ago, and I was, I believe, the underbidder on that. What, I would what, have loved to have gotten that. What did that. it go for? Do you know? Uh, it was pretty expensive. It was like 15 or 20 grand. Wow. It was a lot of money. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, I made 15 grand. Uh, the um, stop motion version of Jack when he is getting uh, he, when when the, the the gnome king or the the rock king I forget what's the character yeah the gnome uh, king yeah gnome king yeah the gnome king uh, is trying to mess with him at, at towards the end of the film that that armature is out there um, you know there are things from the film out there uh, I would love to explore that film I think it's a lot of fun and you know it's got the Henson connection which is you know, yeah. anything Henson is, is my, like, you know, Farscape. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. One, of, one of my favorite things about that uh, m- movie is the the director of Return to Oz was, uh, who was it? Return to Oz. He. I, I sorry, I don't know that. Yeah, no, no, I'll tell you. It's it's neat. Uh, Walter Murch, who is a, a phenomenal, oh, right. you know, talent. But Walter mm-hmm. Murch was working on, uh on the uh, in in the production and then Disney started seeing uh the dailies from it and they hated it <laughs> and they were like right. we need to shut this film down it's going to be a loss we need to shut it down immediately and when they tried to shut it down uh they were at L Street Studios shooting it I believe right. and um Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola and I believe George Lucas were also on the lot at the same time shooting other movies and they're friends with Walter. So they came and sat on the stage in, in chairs with Walter until Disney agreed to let the film. <laughs> wow. Continue. I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. They, there was like a, a show of solidarity between all the directors on the lot where they were like, no, this is That's bullshit. Awesome. That's some star and, then, power. and then Disney 
was like, fine, we'll finish the end of the freaking movie and then finished it and then just kind of dumped it in theaters and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, we're, not, we're just yeah. bury this thing, which is fine. But it is a fascinating story. And, you know, Faruja Balk is such an interesting, you know, you know, cast for, uh, you yep. know, for, for that. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody in that film, there's lots of neat, there's lots of neat people in there. So that would be a good episode. I would, I would watch. Yeah, it. So I have a question about, you mentioned that there are two TikToks, you know, of how big are they? Ah, that's a good question. I don't know the the exact specifications, but I would say, um, I would, based on my memory, his belly is probably three and a quarter feet in diameter, Mm -hmm. maybe three feet in diameter. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah. So that's a large um, piece. Yeah. It's a, it's a big piece. Yeah. Wow, that is so cool. Um, I thoroughly and I feel like I we could talk to you for days. I mean, you're you've got uh, you know like I, I, I so much cool stuff. Uh, you know, and you've the show is just so incredible, and people need to watch it. It's just a phenomenal show. Um, before we let you go, is there yeah. Uh, uh, maybe top three pieces in your personal collection that you have that that you could tell us about. I suppose I could. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, my, I would say my top piece is probably um, I've got uh, Harrison Ford's Rick Deckard a gun, hero gun from Blade Runner. Wow. Uh, the live fire uh, that was used as the hero gun for most scenes. Uh, they used a couple different rubber stunts for a few things, but it's believed that only one hero live fire was used. And from all the, the, the photos on set when he's holding it, it seems to match up with my gun. So I, 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 I'm pretty, pretty uh, uh, obsessed about that because, you know, it's, you know, the detective's pistol, you know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. Sci-fi noir film of all time, um, and it's kind of sci-fi say, looking too. It has like uh, it is. Isn't the like the brown isn't wood? It's like a translucent brown. It, it's a trend. Yeah, it's basically the idea is, is it feels like an old school gun, yet it's got two barrels. Yeah, and it's got the little the box underneath where the where the where the the bullets would be that has a few little lights on it, and it's got the amber translucent grips, which always made it. I mean, you don't see it that much in the film because he's holding right. it but it just makes it such a, a a gun that feels so unique oh that's very um, cool i would say that that is one of my one of my top pieces um i've got a an indiana jones costume uh complete costume uh, almost complete costume from temple of doom oh, temple of doom God, is my that's... guilty favorite indie film <laughs> that's so uh, great wow and, and i've got a whip with that and uh you know uh uh from that film i'm just missing the satchel that he carries the ammo bag and uh his gun belt but i've got everything else shoes to to the top and then um my uh jack skellington puppet from nightmare before christmas oh, oh that's cool man. those are the wow. kind of three things yeah yeah what that's... uh what facial expression does that one have uh right now uh, uh i've got I've, i actually got a set of 12 that um <laughs> oh. was the prototype because there was this thing that Disney did back in the mid to late nineties called the 12 faces of Jack, which were castings off of the original Jack Skellington heads. Oh, okay. Um, that was like, they did 250 copies of it. It was the Disney store. I had the prototype for that, which was they actually, they were 12 screen used Jack heads that they cast from. 
So I've got that prototype oh box with those 12 heads. Oh, my God. In yeah. addition to the one that came with my, my jack. So I've, I always keep a, a happy face jack uh, on my jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel, even though Jack's scary, he's, it's, it's the kind jack that really is yes. endearing, you know? Wow, that's amazing. I would have a happy face too. <laughs> yeah. Jack in oh, my yeah. collection. Oh, absolutely. Oh my god. Well, this yeah. was extraordinary getting to talk with you. Um I well, it was extraordinary uh, hanging out with you guys. Uh you guys uh know your stuff and uh uh, you know, I would love to talk to you again. This was a lot of fun. For oh, sure, yeah. for sure. When we're back doing our show live, we would love to have you on on our live show. I oh, think. that'd be great. Oh, yeah, there's yeah, so yeah, much fun. Do a panel at Comic Con or something. Yeah. Oh my God. Or at yeah. Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, and I and I gotta I gotta see these uh, these prop collections you guys have at your at your homes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stuff. We'll we'll I'll send some uh, pictures along for sure. Oh, you know great. you know real quick last thing. Uh, one yeah. time when we were because we were at Paramount for all these years doing our <laughs> show. Um, when, when, one night um, we all we had a big party on the set. Everyone got really really drunk on mm-hmm. the soundstage, and uh, mm-hmm. I woke up the next. Someone drove me home, and I. I woke up the next morning in my bed with a big gigantic metal sign that says stage 28 please turn your pagers and beepers off (laughs) 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 and it says paramount on it and i still have it to this day it's been i I was like i don't know how it got off the wall of the soundstage (laughs) and into my bed i do not remember taking it you might have been planted with it you might have pulled it off yourself you have no memory i have no memory and i apologize to paramount but yeah that it says pagers (laughs) and beepers i thought is like a very weird (laughs) well you apologize but you didn't give it back did you no no absolutely not (laughs) that is mine forever i i don't have a big collection but i do have a cool thing that steven gave me for my birthday where uh for uh apparently it's from the tv series picard is what uh my online research has showed me, but it's it's a cast. It's a mold of Brent Spiner's head. <laughs> oh, from what era? And it it looks it's from Picard. From they the they new say show. it's from the new CBS Picard, which is on CBS All Access, which is a terrific show. Um, well, no, no, right. But what I mean is, I know that although they did a new makeup for him, they also used uh, the the disassembled data was actually yeah. from. The last feature was they, they found the old one and brought it back because it looks more that looks more like data than Brent Spiner. Yeah, I think it's from that because it looks a little he doesn't look as aged as he does on the show in right. this mold of his right. head. Like it's clearly his head, but it's it's weird because like it's bald because there's no hair on it when you mold somebody's head. Right, right, yeah, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Those yeah. are the, those are yeah. great pieces. That's that kind of stuff. I love that behind the scenes stuff. That's really, yeah. really interesting. It's so cool. Awesome. All right, Dan. Good where stuff. can right, hey, guys. real quick, where can people find you online? Do you have any social media? Yeah, you know, I haven't been that active recently, but I am on Facebook, uh, Dan Lanigan, and then I'm on uh uh Instagram, uh uh just look up Dan Lanigan. I've got a an official Twitter and an official Instagram account. So oh, that's take perfect. a look. Uh Mike Black, where can people find you? At Mike Black Attack on all social media. Uh, Matt Walker, where can people get you? Links to everything at funnymat.com, or if you're upset by me in any way, let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. Yes. Uh, you can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Glickman on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, all of the places, across MySpace. Uh, thank you. So, I'm just kidding. Thank 
Friendster. So much. Friendster. Thanks so much for doing the show, Dan. You're the best. And uh, subscribe. Right, Listen, we'll guys. talk soon. Thanks again. Thanks again. Bye. Find Steven on Ask Jeeves. <laughs> oh. Stand up in front of a fireball. Steven Glickman, a boxer.